From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A big hello to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hiya to those who are streaming us on the YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And just a reminder, no live stream tonight on YouTube. That returns the second week of September. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist Leslie Mitchell-Clark and college professor and lifelong ET contactee Wes Roberts are here. Uh, They are the co-authors of Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact, and they will be appearing at uh, Alien Cosmic Expo 2019, happening September 21 and 22. Go to aliencosmicexpo.com for tickets and more information. Now, just a quick programming note. Next week, Jonathan Kahn, New York Times bestselling author of The Harbinger, The Mystery of the Shemitah, and his new book, The Oracle, The Jubilean Mysteries Unveiled will be my guest for the full two hours. You don't want to miss this one. Some amazing prophecies in the Bible and the timing of how things unfold that you've never heard before. Let me just give you a little tiny taste. Would you believe that Mark Twain is in the Bible? That's right, yes, but there is so much more. So that's next week on The Conspiracy Show. Uh, Please check out my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, And Friday, go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the Conspiracy Unlimited button, and you can listen and subscribe right there. All right, back to uh, Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Uh, Leslie, just before the uh, the break at the top of the hour, you were talking about, in your experience, um, the the children of military people, Mm -hmm. especially those stationed uh, on the front lines, often are contactees. Yes, uh, I have seen it again and again and again. And what we seem to be looking at here, um, and again, you know, this this is in sort of in the area of uh, anecdotal information, but uh, many, many clients that I work with uh, who believe they've had experience, ex- experience or contact have parents, particularly fathers who worked in the military, in um, often on the stationed on the Dew Line, which, as you might remember, that was in during the Cold War. The United States and Canada had a series of bases that were far north. I think they were actually located in Canada, but that was the, considered the Dew Line because it would be the area of first response. Right. Should the Russians, you know, lob a, a nuclear, uh, you know, weapon at us? What naive thinking that we could sur- survive that. And right. At any rate, um, there is a there is a gentleman. Uh, I'm just going to bring him up real quickly. Also, someone that that Wes knows, who um, had one of these military uh, black ops type experiences that began. You know, they began taking him when he was a little child. It was always human beings involved and. And, and disturbing, uh, physical things. They started taking sperm from him when he was just almost too young to give it up in a natural way, shall right. I say? Right. Um, and, um, you know, a array of things. And he was then sort of inducted into a kind of a cadet type deal. 
And they're always messing with time. In other words, you know, I think we really have we have that technology together since the Montauk chair or from earlier, it's been reverse engineered. We can mess about with time. Right. So, you know, these, there's a lot of missing time with these poor individuals who've been in the military programs, lots of missing time. And then apparently once that they're, once they're 17 or 18 and they make a commitment to continue to do what they're going to do, which is, Usually a, uh, being stationed as part of the Mars Defense Force or Lunar Defense Force. Again, part of our black ops situation, which has been in place for years with multiple governments involved. Uh, then they serve for 20 years and, and, um, through, through manipulation of time are sent back to a time period when they're, you know, just finishing high school, 17 or 18. I guess one such would be Randy Kramer, who will be speaking at the Alien Cosmic Expo. He will. And and of all the individuals that I have heard, and he's not a client of mine, but he did see a hypnotherapist for a lot of recovery. It wasn't Mm. me, but he did do that. Um, His story is intractable. It is always consistent. There has never been one a bit of wavering or waffling and I've you know I've interviewed him and spoken to him many times uh he's the real deal as far as I'm concerned so Wes any idea why you do you have a military background do your parents have a military background so nothing military in my background um I have thought about reasons for this and and I guess that's partly the book uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll do part of that job but um I firmly believe at this point it was because I chose to do it. I chose to do it before I was capable of choosing to do it, before childhood, before I was a young child. I, I don't want this to sound too far out there, but before this incarnation. In the interlife, before you came back yeah, in. Before I came yeah. back. Um, hmm. That's my conclusion. I didn't come to that conclusion until uh, we actually did what's called interlife hypnosis. And to me, it was just a confirmation. Okay, so I actually did ask for this actually did agree to it. And at some point, I was to become conscious of the fact that I agreed to it. And from that point forward, I could do a better job with it. And and maybe, Wes, you know, maybe there is also a, a genetic element. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my feeling is that many experiencers may be, albeit quite a bit removed, the progeny of... Uh, I, I hear this uh, anecdotally again, time and again. From, exactly. Do you, are there, do you, do you suspect that you have ancestors that were also contactees? Um, I suspect some of that may run in, in my current family, not necessarily with my siblings, mm-hmm. but, uh, but with, with their the... kids. Um, really? It's a suspicion, yeah. And um, this is nothing new in this, in, in this field. We hear it all the time. I didn't know that um, until I'd come across it more times. But mm-hmm. I think it's partly the fact that I did agree to this at some point. And also that I had some latent, not developed psychic ability when I was a teen. And, and Leslie and I have talked about this mm-hmm. a lot. Um, to them, that might seem like a, a beacon of a light. Like, come get me. I think me. it's easier for them. I think, I think frankly, uh, when we're dealing with evolved beings, uh, many of them don't physically speak very often. Or, you know, they can, I think, a lot of them, but they use a lot of telepathy. And I think, frankly, it's easier for them to work with people who do have a high PSI factor. And whether that comes genetically, which I believe it does. And I would also point out that Wes is, is, is part Native Canadian. Mm-hmm. And the Native Canadian peoples have been in touch with the star beings since the dawn of time. Right. 
Right. So there, I, I think, I feel empathically, I, I feel that there are genetic reasons why not only, but you had to have the right equipment, the right hardware to do the job that you're doing now. You had to come in with some genetic predispositions that would help you. What about the RH negative blood marker? It's a very, uh, well, the RH, um, I myself am RH negative. Many experiences are, many experiences that come to me do have RH negative blood. Uh, I think what that simply means really is we simply have a, the oldest blood grouping. You know, we were maybe those of us that have RH negative, which is simply a coating right. on the, on the blood cells. It's yeah. a protein. If we don't have it, um, it is genetic and I believe it is a residual effect of having a relationship to that first infusion, that hmm. first infusion of, of, uh, of DNA, which one might think maybe was the uh, Sumerians, the ancient Anunnaki people. I, I leave that to everyone out there, but sir, they know how old blood groupings are. I should say that. Right. This isn't just something I'm making up. They know that, they know that uh, anything with the negative RH is ancient in the extreme. Uh, something like um, 70, 80 percent of the Basque people Yes. have RH negative blood. In Spain, I've heard that. Yeah. So there are little pockets of it. And again, the Basque people are very interesting because they have a language that's loaded with Sanskrit. They have their own language that is not Spanish. They see, and they're, they're redheaded and, and ideally fair skinned. It's almost like they were plopped right, right. down there in the, in the Pyrenees, you know? And so how about for you, Wes? Blood type? Not RH negative. No, no, <laughs> no. So, uh, so if it's, uh, I do suspect it's something genetic as well. And I don't know if that, if that accounts for my psi ability for whatever it is, but I started to explore that when I was, when I was mm-hmm. quite young. And it's probably like just broadcasting, uh, mm-hmm. to them, you know, come get me, come see me. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm here. Can I, I, can I ask you as to, to share another memory, uh, re, uh, achieved through regression that you mentioned that there was one that was quite, quite frightening. Are you able to share that with us? Yes, because it, it was, uh, more fully recovered under mm-hmm. regression. Um, a lot of these start in the most innocuous ways, I have to tell you. Uh, I'm in an office doing my job in the middle of the night, as if um, that's not something I did, though I did have an office job at the right. time. Um, and then that transgresses to where a, a, a an event is staged, a, uh, a crisis of some kind. An event is instigated uh, by them. And so this event was... Um, someone's coming to get you all in this building, this office building in the middle of the night. Okay, we all have to run away now. And so that's what's in my mind. I have to run away now. Uh, so as I'm running out of the building in the middle of the night, my, my ex, who I was living with at the time, joined me. And um, she would never say that she has any recall of this, never has agreed to that. Uh, so I can't say if she was, was there, but it's my firm belief she was there. Right. She was taken with me that night. So we're fleeing this office building, and then the city scene just all falls away, um, and, and the road turns into a dirt road, and uh, we're in a desert of some kind. We're still fleeing something. Something's after us. Uh, we're running away. Um, so we run to, I wouldn't call them mountainsides, but hills with, uh, with entrances into caves. And, and this sort of transgresses into very military, industrial stuff at this point. And I would have never said that, but it just has all the earmarks of it. Um, so we we run up to an entrance in, in, in the side of this hill 
to some underground facility, and that's where they got us. And they're brown-skinned people, our brown-skinned beings. I cannot say what their faces the look like. The brown doctors. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. never, almost never allowed to see their faces. Um, so they escort us into this facility, and it was extremely consistent. There was scientific equipment there. Um, there were like plexiglass panels where they would um, uh, punch in commands and things. And then the, there was this a thing uh, shaped kind of like a baseball glove, an oval. And apparently that's where her face and my face were about to go into this device. And so uh, this is one of my worst experiences because we were both standing there. There was a technician in front of this glass panel. Um, there were other workers around in this facility. It was very sterile. Um, and the idea was we were going to put our face in that thing. Um, and I, I'm not quite sure why, to change us in, in some way. Um, and they separated us. And so... Was there any force? Yeah, they pulled us apart. Uh, they literally pulled us apart, and I, I was very upset. Um, I don't, were these military? Who 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 pulled you? They were apart? just workers. That's just the like thing. Just plain old work. Did were they humanoid workers? Or? Humanoid workers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I couldn't identify them. They were a lot like people because there's a lot of physicality at, at that point, and I really don't encounter a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah. they they separated us. They pulled us apart, and I don't know what they did to her. And I was screaming like you know uh, she can't be separated from me. And then they, they guided my face into this thing, this, this, uh, mask. And, uh, what I most remember about my face being in there is that it came a point where I couldn't breathe. Uh, and so I was gasping for breath thinking I'm going to pass out. It was like sucked your face into this thing, uh, until they decided to let you out, let you out of it. And when they let you out of it, they threw a robe on you and you were, you were on your way to a recovery room. I mean, I don't know if you want the rest of the story or... Sure, we have some time. Okay. So, um, presumably they'd done that to my ex as well. Uh, and uh, they took me up to a recovery room. And the recovery room was the most unique room. It was fully... Uh, I can't think of a way to put this. Everything was molded um, like one piece. Right. It was all molded. Like a Japanese hotel. It was all one piece of plastic. All one piece of plastic, yeah. including things that came up from the floor, like like this desk I'm touching now in the studio. Uh, likewise, was molded in and coming up from the floor. And, and little cupboards to the side, they were molded uh, in. It was all black. It was all plastic. Did you have a sense of time, how long you were in this simulation? Um, the, how long did it seem? Uh, it seemed like it was fairly close to real time, except I have to say to you, um, there's a period of missing time between being my face being in the device and then being being escorted up to the recovery room. Mm. I cannot account for that. And it's not the first time I haven't been able to account for some time that's lost. Um, I would say minutes, if not perhaps a half an hour. Really? I, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think this was done, the simulation? I know this is a, re, a, a recovered memory, but mm-hmm. do you think this happened while you were asleep? I actually do, although I have no physical evidence of it. I, it was very it physical. It was so physical. It was yeah. very visceral mm-hmm. to me. Mm. Uh, the I detail was, is amazing. I was crying retain. my eyes out by the time I woke up uh, from the experience. And you, were you reunited with your, your then wife in the recovery unit? Yes. I was aware she was being brought down the hall. I was lying on a gurney. I was aware she was being brought down the hall. Um, they brought her in. Uh, I looked at her. They walked over to the table. She was crying. 
uh, I was crying, um, and we're both looking at each other like, why, why is this happening to us? Bang, experience is over. And now she's lying next to you in bed, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she has no memory of this? No, I've told her this account many times. Uh, so I don't know how, I don't know how to account for that unless, uh, and she probably has some fear. Um, she probably doesn't want to remember. Yeah. And, and maybe it's not her role to remember this. But it, it, now, Richard, that really sounds to me because of the disturbing psychological element. That sounds like a human kind of thing that was going on there with some reverse engineered technology. Uh, you know, that's what well, you not. mentioned the the you called them the brown. But the brown doctors brown, were there. They doctors. were there. Yes. Yeah. So they're involved somehow. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I, I will have one detail to this, uh, which is kind of odd. And I don't know if it's relevant. So. I got to look at myself in the mirror. This never happens to me in these experiences. I don't get to see myself. In the simulation. Yeah, in, in this simulation, in this scenario, I got to look at myself in the mirror. And all I can say is that my face was largely featureless, as if it had been sandblasted. Wow. Pitted. Like earth. I don't know how else to describe it. And I thought, I'm like them. <laughs> I look like them now. Uh, that was my impression, Remarkable. and so did my ex when she was ushered into the room. And that that was a result of putting your face in that glove-like object? Yep, yep. And just to be clear, I mean, who do you think was doing this? Was this the this group of extraterrestrials? Was it military, humans? Who? What's going on here? My, in, my impression was it was a collaboration, uh, which happens all the time. Uh, apparently, we work with several species mm-hmm. side by side, quite literally. The military and the species, they have the technology and technique, uh, which the military would love to reverse engineer or hold or have. So do you think this, this scenario was happening on a craft? Was it happening on Earth? Was it happening in, a, in another dimension? Uh, so underground facilities are a common theme. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, except for the office and all that, which seemed pretty artificial. Uh, the facility I was in seemed very real, very real, like a hospital or, or a clinic or a lab. It was very real to me. Uh, same with the recovery room. It was, I was, I was taken in detail, you know, as these regressions are progressing and, and you're taking this all in. Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind? I think what's going through my mind is that I am privileged to be able to sort of experience along with Wes one of the most remarkable stories I've ever been privileged to hear. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, yes, this stuff is very far out, but I'm also seeing A, B, and C clients who are telling me the same kinds of things. So, um, so Rob's, excuse me, Wes's credibility, um, was never in question with me. I, I never even considered for a moment that there was any kind of, you know, fabrication going on. I always saw him transform, uh, uh, you know, if we were going back in, in time, you know, even his facial features would look younger and he would speak, you know, he's, he's a wonderful hypnotic subject. An excellent hypnotic subject and the amount of de- and then I suppose being kind of a detail oriented person, uh, the information just kept coming. 
you know, he was, uh, you know, and I would ask him, you know, what is the lighting like? What is the, you know, what is the material like? What do you, are there any unusual smells? You know, I mean, I asked him everything I could think of to ask him because his, his, his comprehension of details was far and away one of the most remarkable, uh, things that I've seen. Did you ever have to, uh, in a moment where you felt fear, vulnerable, revert to the observer? Uh, I think that happened twice. I honestly, yeah. maybe because I'm blocking it out, don't exactly remember the episodes, but we had to do it a couple of times when I said I was afraid mm-hmm. or I was falling. Um, I have physical sensations. Yes. There was also, there was some uh, aspect of, of pain and discomfort about something that they were doing to you once, and I, I simply, you know, turned him into an observer. It happened a few times. I'm going to say under five in all of these, you know, in all of these sessions. All right. We'll uh, take a time out and come back uh, and delve further into the remarkable lifelong extraterrestrial contact of Wes Roberts and Leslie Mitchell Clark is here, a Toronto-based registered hypnotherapist. The book is Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell Clark, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. And um, you were off air. You were telling me, Wes, that while you were in Leslie's office at Lightwork, there were, you described them as physical manifestations that you were experiencing while you were under regression, but she was also experiencing something as well. Indeed. Um, well, I, I should probably say and, and maybe preface this. And if you if you do read the book, we spend a lot of time talking about a specific being that Wes refers to as his twin. And it is not unusual for an experiencer to have a kind of a connection or overseer or guide that they form a bond with, especially if these experiences begin when they're very young. So Wes's twin began coming through kind of in a big way where we could actually sort of speak to her in real time. It was a transition because, of course, there is no such thing as linear time, really. I don't believe that there is. So we were able to, Wes was able to communicate directly with this being that he called his twin. Now, one of the things that this being would do would be to sort of superimpose her body on Wes's body so that he would feel a great deal of energy and be able to be quite elevated in, in his experience in the trance. Now, what it looked like to me, and this happened several times, is it looked to me like Wes's body actually extended. Now, I saw it appear to lengthen, and he's a pretty tall guy anyway, and then it looked like his limbs were longer. Like maybe his arms were longer. Dramatically longer? Yeah. I mean, and I was just sort of seeing this in real time, like I was being shown a transparency being superimposed over Wes. And I saw, even saw some elements of the, of, of the facial features of the being that he refers to as, as his twin. That which, must have been shocking. It, it was, uh, it, it was shocking in a sense, but 
I've had experiences seeing things all of my life. So for me, I'd say more fascinating than shocking. Mm. I was absolutely fascinated, but I did see what appeared to be Wes's body lengthen in size. And also I could see elements of the twin, this being that Wes trusts a good deal. And she explained what she was going to do, that she was going to superimpose herself and utilize his energy to manifest in that way. And while she's seeing this, what are you experiencing? I'm feeling this. Um, I'm feeling like I'm in motion and I was never in motion in the chair, uh, but I felt like I was in motion, in movement. Uh, sometimes uh, it made me a bit nauseous uh, to feel that way. And and I felt like I, like I was being, like I was a lot t- taller than I normally am. Um, my twin, as we refer to her, is uh, as near as we can tell, eight feet tall um, mm-hmm. and quite linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the extremely mm-hmm. slender, tall beings. And I hear these people described all the time. Right. Uh, they're definitely humanoid, but they are, they're, they're less gender specific than we are. Would you I say would that? Say, uh-huh. I would definitely say that. So I, I felt sort of elongated. I also felt motion. I also felt a great deal of heat. And at times I felt like I was going to pass out, but I wanted to mm-hmm. go with it. I did not want to terminate the experience mm-hmm. uh, because we seem to be in real time contact with this entity. Yeah. Um, and, and the heat factor, oh my. and there's the blood pressure thing too. That That's you, right. That you now, usually when people when people are in hypnosis, one of the main things that happens is their blood pressure goes down. They often become cold and trance, so we put a blanket on someone, right, and right. this is this is standard, you know. And um, I do keep a sphygmometer around, you know. I used to be a, a, a psychiatric technician, which is like a psych nurse back right. in the day. So um, I would take Wes's. I started doing this with all my experiencers, by the way. I would take Wes's blood pressure before the session, and then I would take it after, and I wanted to know if. If people were recounting these experiencer things and had this kind of thing going on, would it affect blood pressure? And what I found was his blood pressure was always very elevated after the session, right after it, hmm. which is the opposite of physiologically what should be going on. Now, he wasn't stressed or anxious. He was relaxed in every kind of way that one can be relaxed, but the blood pressure would be temporarily elevated. And then I'd wait 20 minutes or something. I'd take it again. It would be it would be the baseline. Right. Were you ever running rolling videotape? I mean, with Wes's permission. We have done that. We have done that. We we wanted to do that um, to see if the camera would catch any of these physiological changes and, you know, elements that I was seeing if it could be perceived by a digital camera. So we did try a few times. We got um, some light phenomena. We got, not only did we get orbs, but we got um, a sort of a luminous glow hmm. around Wes. We got some light phenomena, but we we didn't, in all truth, we did not get exactly like what I right. saw. Were you asking his twin, Wes's twin, to manifest, to sort of, to manifest again? Yes. Yes. And did she cooperate? Yes. She will always cooperate with anything that we are wanting to do to validate Wes's experiences. And every time 
the same manifestation occurs? For me, it would be, it, it would always be extremely similar like that. Just sometimes it would be a stronger experience than other times for no known reason. It would go on longer or I would see more or it would be more dramatic in, in, in some way. But it was always, that was always that if we, if we ask this individual to, to do this, to, um, to meld or to just lay on top of Wes in that way, she would always cooperate. My feeling is that these beings that we're dealing with, that, that Wes has been working with, I'm not sure they even have physical bodies, to tell you the truth. I don't know if they do or not. They may be completely lighter matter right. than what we are. Although there were experiences where you were allowed to see, you asked to see their home planet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you were shown, you know, a fairly normal kind of um, looked like an uh, oxygen rich. It, it looked ah, not so, unlike, yeah. you know, Earth. So you Do did tell. ask to see that. Do tell mm-hmm. us. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, one just playing on these uh, experiences I had where there was some manifestation. There was also extreme heat in Leslie's treatment. Space. Mm-hmm. So I would often come out of it and she'd be sweating like crazy. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> and yeah. it was a temperature. There was a. Could have been menopause way back then. I don't know. I don't remember. My husband doesn't remember either. Good thing. <laughs> so we were, after uncovering so many memories, we were interested to see if we could um, reach her in real time. And I think we did on mm-hmm. a lot of occasions. And Leslie would say, ask her this or mm-hmm. ask her that. And so it would maybe take a few seconds, but then a scene of her and her family, to use an expression, uh, uh, would appear. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a backdrop of what looked like a cityscape, a little more modern than, than what we know of here. Um, and my impression was after a few of these sessions that they used to be uh, manifest. Oh, that they have, they evolved yes. to a higher level of some sort. Like they used to be, not flesh and blood, I don't want to say, but they used to be manifest. They used to be made of matter of some kind, mm-hmm. um, but they weren't any longer. Mm-hmm. And, and so she's appeared to me like in three, four or five different forms at this point. Ah, Was she the, do you suspect, way back in the first hour you were talking about going to this old farmhouse and showing this little girl around who didn't really look human. Was that her? I'm... Almost certain it was her, uh, which would confirm that she's been with me all my life. And the connection that we referred to is, and I do discuss this in the book, when I was a little girl, I had an imaginary friend uh, who was very physical and very real to me, and I called her Abby. Mm. And she always wore a little, now I'm old, I was born in 1956, so she always wore a party dress, which would have been appropriate for my age. Right. Right. And there was something unusual about her. Her feet seemed kind of unfinished. Interesting. If, if uh, I can't describe it any better than that. And I used to most commonly see her when I visited my, my grandmother's house. My grandmother was a very beautiful psychic woman and she was a marvelous gardener. All I'd have to do would be to go out into the garden and think about Abby and she'd show up. Oh, isn't that remarkable? Let's pick up on that on the other side. Okay. I thought I had an imaginary friend, but he was just using me. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't really my imaginary friend. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, we will. In all uh, seriousness, we'll pick it up on the other side. Uh, Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell Clark are with us, and uh, the book is Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, co-authors of Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Leslie, you were telling us about uh, your childhood imaginary, quote, end quote, friend. That would manifest almost at will. Yes. At your grandmother's place, who was psychic. Yes. So it sounds like, I mean, have you ever regressed yourself? Are you a contactee? Um, well, in, in the book, I talk about a very traumatic experience that happened to me. I was so only about 16 years old. I had gone to work at a summer stock theater, um, as an actor and, uh, I met a gal there who uh, I can't reveal her name, she's still living, but she was actively working with the government in communication with ETs. Mm. Now, why she told me all this, she didn't tell anybody else, she told me everything, I believed it. I think it was because she knew that if I hung out with her, I was going to see some unusual things. And in fact, when we drove back and forth to town, I saw Kraft following us several times because she conveyed to me that she no longer wanted to be in this particular program, but she, she they weren't taking no for an answer. And I did even see some classic men in black show up outside of her dorm where she was staying and go in and they were in there for a few minutes and then they came out. You know, they were driving again and anachronistic late 60s, like Chrysler Imperial right. or something like that, right, you right. know. Um, now, during that um, during that period of time, uh, there was, and we had a lot of sightings one night, and I was staying, I, I had a boyfriend, I was young, but I had a boyfriend, and I was staying in his room. And um, I what I recall is sitting up straight in bed, and being aware of a low vibration going on, like in these were cottages. It was an old uh, CCC work camp. I can't right. explain. It's an American thing. You know what I mean, though. So these were these were like uh, old co- old uh, structures and dorms where men in the depression would go to do forestry work. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then a light, you know, a light came through and illuminated the entire room. So the vibrations going low hum, uh, the lights are come pouring into the room and I'm trying to wake him up. I'm shaking him. I'm pounding on him. Nothing. And that's all I remember of that. I'm trying to wake him up. The lights are shining. The vibration is going. Somehow I'm out. Well, the next morning, and this is a, this is a totally conscious experience. The next morning I wake up and I feel terrible pain, um, like uterine, bladder pain. I didn't even know what it was excruciating. And I also noticed that my, my nightgown was on backwards. 
when I woke up, you know, buttons down the back, right? Right, right. And so the uh, the bathhouse where there was a washroom was, we, we had to walk a little ways up a hill to get to that. So I stepped out of my dorm room and I noticed that I had a stream of blood coming down my leg. And again, this wasn't a menstrual situation. This was completely out of left field. So I did go to the doctor. There was a doctor and... um and he said to me, you have cervical erosion. I said, well, what's cervical erosion? I'm 16 years old. He said, well, this is something I've only seen in women who have had a lot of children. Oh, my. The interior lining of the cervix gets kind of pushed out. And and that's what happens when women have multiple children. Are you part of a, an alien-human hybrid program, do you think? I have the feeling that some genetic material was taken that night, and I also have the feeling that Pat, that my friend, she described to me that she was working with some very uh, questionably agended greys who had had a deal in place with the U.S. government since, you know, just after Roswell. Hmm. So they were not very nice. They were... And and I think that they were very interested in genetic information. I think maybe they had lost the ability even to propagate. Who knows? But there was a lot of a lot of abductions. A lot of genetic material was taken from a lot of people up until, you know, the moratorium came down a few years ago. We don't really see this much anymore. And my personal feeling is that it's a Gene Roddenberry like universe. And there really is a kind of United Federation of Planets. And whatever beings, greys or not, were taking material from, from, you know, Terrans against their will, they have been now stopped. That this deal, doesn't happen now. That deal with Eisenhower at Edward yeah, Air Force Base has expired. Done. The deal's All over. Right. All right. Well, thank God for that. We'll yeah. take a time out. Uh, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. A few minutes remain with Wes Roberts, Leslie Mitchell Clark, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. The book is Intersections. And uh, once again, Wes and Leslie will be appearing at the Alien Cosmic Expo. That's happening September 21-22. That's a Saturday-Sunday in Toronto at the Airport Marriott Hotel on Dixon Road and you can go to aliencosmicexpo.com for more information. Uh, uh, Wes, Leslie was talking about what sounded like, well, the retrieval of genetic material, maybe even some sort of alien-human hybrid program. You've had something similar. I'm highly suspicious. Uh, I'm also a skeptical person, uh, you know, pretty grounded reality, so I tend to discount a lot of things, but... I've had a handful of experiences where they started out like a normal mating process with what seemed to be a female. Um, and in all of them, they all ended up with some mechanical device uh, being attached to my genitals to extract sperm. So when it was beyond the point of uh, not completing the sexual act, um, it was obvious there was a tube or something, quite frankly, like a plastic mm-hmm. tube connected to me. 
And that's what I was actually having sex with. And you were presented at one point with, with children? Many points, actually. In many of my experiences, I've been brought into a room to, apparent, to interact with what seemed to be children. Uh, there was always something wrong. Uh, okay, wrong's, wrong's the wrong word. There's always something not quite uh, correct anatomically with the children. Usually it was their heads, quite honestly. They were too big, um, what appeared to me to be too big. And I was being guided in a room, uh, whether it was with a boy and a girl at times, to go and touch them, to uh, go and pick them up, to go and try and hold them. They didn't react at all uh, like normal toddlers might react. They were just these little things. They were playful. They were playful, and they would run out of the room, scamper out of the room and stuff. But uh, that's honestly, we haven't explored that under deep hypnosis um, to see what's actually going on there. Do you think they're your children? Yes, that's exactly what I think. Do they look like you in some way? I would say not. No, I would say not. More. No more traits? No no Robert's traits? I, I, I actually don't think so, and I, I actually need to clarify that, um, quite honestly. Um, more blonde than anything. Blonde-haired. Which would be, you know, this is what we see in the hybridization program often. Blonde, platinum hair, blonde hair. The tall blondes, they might call them, or yeah. the tall whites. Mm-hmm. There's an aspect of this, obviously, that's, I mean, I know you, you, you indicated earlier that maybe in a, in a previous life or somewhere life in between lives, mm-hmm. you gave consent. But it sounds like some of this is against your will. And when it comes to children, children can't give informed consent. So mm-hmm. how do we reconcile this with the idea that these are spiritually advanced mm-hmm. beings? So I, I totally hear you on that. And it's my belief uh, uh, there are at least two species involved with me. One is largely benign, guiding, uh, mentorship, um, helping me evolve. The other species is not like that. They're not nice. They're not pleasant. They intervene mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. negative ways. Uh, that's the only way I would describe it is that uh, not that I'm a, a victim of anything, but one species does what they want uh, with me when they want, uh, whether it's with my will or permission or not. The other species that I'm designed to work with or agreed to work with are not those. Mm-hmm. They're much more benign, much more helpful, much more aware of my state of mind, my, my emotional state, my need for sleep, all of that. So that's what I would say. And uh, your twin, mm-hmm. does she have a name? No. Um, she said that she did, but it was sort of in, would have been unpronounceable, unpronounceable, nothing we could conceive yeah, of. That's right. That we were yeah. we were communicating with her, and, and uh, I was unable to get to process the information. Uh, about her name, but uh, but typically she would, uh, if she appeared in her native form, uh, she'd be about eight foot tall, uh, hairless, um, uh, almost no figure uh, to speak of, very little in the way of a mouth. I don't know if she had a nose. I don't think she had ears. Uh, but she's appeared to me with hair, without hair. Um, she's actually appeared, come into some of my dreams, this eight foot tall thing standing around with the gang having a nice chat. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And has she told you what this is all about? Uh, it's my impression it is to help others who may be facing this or maybe not to the point of facing it yet, uh, to say you can work through it, you can reconcile it, you can integrate it into your life, and you'll come out on top. In fact, you'll be a better person for it. But if, if you weren't taken in the first place, there'd be nothing to deal with. So, I'm like, why... 
why the abduction, I don't know if you use that word, but why this lifelong contact, uh, aside from preparing you to help, you know, help you deal with it, mm-hmm. there'd be nothing to deal with if they didn't take you, right? So. Agreed. No, I, I agree with that 100%. I am of the opinion that you, uh, that a person like me is required to go through a number of experiences before he or she reaches an age of consent mm-hmm. to say, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to stand beside you on this. Until that point, you're probably just like anyone else in, yeah. in their world. It's like, you, you need to go through these things. We need to observe you. And it's been always my impression that they're observing. Is this still going on? Oh, yeah. Do you have any memory of it now? Or do you, does it all have to come through regression? Oh, no, no. I, uh, I would say commonly at least once a month. Uh, I can remember something. I'll wake up from an experience that was just not a dream. And there are usually other people involved. And the most the most recent one was probably three weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. which I told to my partner. And I said, that was really odd. <laughs> so when I wake up with that feeling, there's some things that just don't fit even to the dream world. It's like, okay, fine. Do you continue to see Leslie? So we haven't had a session for how long? Oh, no, it's been too long. But yes, but yes, we will, we will continue on. Uh, we both had some... Major challenges in our respective personal lives this year, but uh, we will be moving ahead with further sessions. Uh, we have now um, all the material is ready for part two of intersections, which will probably be released next year. So uh, but we're going to continue to work together. I I I really believe that Wes and the people that I see primarily are special people. They have psychic abilities they're here for a reason. And to investigate that reason, it's a lot easier if you do accept the process of reincarnation. <laughs> right. Okay. <Fair laughs> if enough. you do accept that, it, it's, it's, it's very easy to think that, yes, I'm going to take responsibility. I'm in a soul group with a lot of different types of beings. I've incarnated on that planet before. I've incarnated on that planet. And I'm going to help be... Uh, a, a midwife of the universe and go into the tough school, Earth, and uh, help to awaken people and increase consciousness. And as a result of your regressions with Leslie, how are you how are you faring these days now that you you've confirmed that what's happening to you and you've you've remembered it all? I would say a heck of a lot better uh, from a few sessions in. Um, I still have problems with sleeping, but nothing like being afraid to close my eyes kind of problems with sleeping. Nothing like something's coming to get me uh, a problem. So I think a heck of a lot better. And I was able to go on, calm down, uh, do better at my job, interact better with uh, my then ex-wife and with my current partner. You know, kind of like, okay, he's a stable character. He's understood it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going with it. Mm-hmm. So the experiences have been um, have been looked at. And they've been reintegrated back into your conscious memory where you can continue to uh, examine them. And it's all about healing. It's all about integration, Richard. It's all about it's this is a specific type of post-traumatic stress disorder that people present with when they come to me. If they have chunks of missing memory and I have a whole list of symptoms that indicate possible experience or very situations. quickly, how do people get a hold of you at Lightwork? You can always email me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at lightworkhypnosis.com. That's all one word. I'm also on Facebook as Leslie Mitchell-Clark, uh, Lightwork Hypnosis, and also as Contact TV. So you can find me on Facebook anywhere and uh, Leslie at lightworkhypnosis.com. 
Intersections, a true story of extraterrestrial contact. Wes, Leslie, thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Richard. Thank Pretty you. fabulous. My thanks to Owen Wolf, Ryan White, back next week with Jonathan Kahn, the Oracle, the Jubilean Mysteries Unveiled. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light, what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.